Alright, I'd like to welcome y'all to the episode 4 of the Muncie Music Scene Podcast. Uh, I'll allow my guest to introduce himself. What up? My name is Patrick Ray, uh, a.k.a. Patty, a.k.a. Johnny Oahu, a.k.a. Drummer. <laughs> drummer for hire, drummer, drummer bitch, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I'm still learning. This is only my second time using this software. You're all good. I don't do a chords, remember? I'm a drummer. It's picking up on mine. And come on. Nope. I'll be off. Scrolling on. Check, 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 microphone check, testies, testies, one, two. Even when I tap it, it's... Alright, I mean, this one's picking up and that, so I'll make it work. I don't know if I'm just talking louder than you or not. Lean into it, so... Who knows, maybe. Talk a little bit. Uh, a little bit? (laughs) It's picking up now. Alright. Alright, well, technical difficulties out of the way. Uh, You'll have that. When did you start in the local scene here? Uh, well, I'd say my first show out in Muncie probably would have been in 95. Um, possibly the Flying Tomato. Um, we also played a outdoor fest called the Wombat Fest around that time. Yeah. Um, COC, which is now the Hollow, was kind of starting up around that time. Mm-hmm. It was like the Dead Pigeon when it first opened up. and. So, yeah, 95, somewhere <laughs> around there. What bands were you playing with at that time? Uh, that time it was uh, my high school band, Green, um, which was me, Nathan Reese, Jeremy Irk, and Ryan Sexton. Uh, we were kind of like a psychedelic trip band. Mm-hmm. And um, that transformed. We found a singer named Laura Bard, and that transformed into more of a hippie-ass type jam band. And... So you always had the easy lay in you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, where'd you progress from there? Uh, well, the easy lays came next after mm. after Green, because the easy lays were Nathan Reese, myself, and Jeremy Urk, who yeah. was, we were all in Green. And it just kind of progressed to there, because Nate started getting into more surf music. and I didn't realize the easy lay was around that long. Oh, yeah, well, we were, the Easy Lays, I think we were around 18 years, I think, like, for the full, because I think Nate and Jeremy and I played for a full 20, and, yeah. They, yeah, that's news. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that, so I'm learning something new right there. Where all did you guys play in that band? <sighs> Where didn't we play? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, like, we, because that band was so strange, we had so many different sets. Like, we had, you know, we had a bar set, we had... A, a professional set where we'd play like you know dinners and stuff down mm-hmm. at the convention center um you're gonna have to tell me about that <laughs> they tucked us in a corner and said just play instrumental music while these people that are here for a convention eat their dinner and it's like it was the weirdest thing like the end of song crickets no one's even paying attention yeah. to us we're just background music wow i know i didn't know they did that did you guys get at least get paid 
Oh yeah, they call oh, yeah. Easy Lays the highest paying band I ever was in. All right, I, I was mean, gonna say that's just we played weddings. Thing. I think the only thing we didn't play was like an actual funeral with a body, and a bat mitzvah. But everything else we played, we played <laughs> Halloween parties, we played birthday parties, we played like I said, we played weddings. And as a different, the idea behind the different theme sets. Yeah, and because the thing that no one really knew about the Easy Lays was uh, we were a cover band. So we found all those songs and learned them. Like we we had written two originals. I think we remembered how to play one. <laughs> um, but everything was a cover band, so we would just find yeah. And it, it was all basically about the same rhythm for me, mm-hmm. you know. So it was really easy. But I think the strangest gig we played with them um, that I played with them was the Muncie Junior Ballet <laughs> down oh. at the the Masonic Temple down downtown mm-hmm. that was an interesting one uh, a ballet <laughs> well there was no ballet going on it was this woman who was in charge of it she had to put a show together mm-hmm. but she had a lot of other stuff going on and somehow got a hold of us and we literally walked across the stage followed by 15 little girls all wearing poodle skirts <laughs> walk across stage play a song get up walk back across stage we did that three times intermittent throughout the show uh, it was just strange there's somewhere there's video of parents and uh my long-haired pierced tattooed ass walking across <laughs> with their daughter following me in a poodle skirt like, like this is not good the uh the visual on that is just <laughs> yeah we nate got that gig and we weren't too happy with him <laughs> but yeah. we all had different names in the band that's why i said johnny oahu mm-hmm. that was my name um Nate was Dr. V, and then our bass player, Jeremy, was uh, Don Ho Daddy-O. <laughs> Don Ho daddy Because <clears throat> we found out a Ho Dad was a a surfer, like a greaser surfer dude, because mm. the back one of the albums we found, it was like, hey, you're a dad. We're going to name you Ho Dad. <laughs> he didn't want to be named Ho Dad, so we're like, all right, now you're Don Ho Dad. So what, what year was the Easy, easy uh, The Easy Lays came out probably about... Probably about 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah. And we just went crazy. We built tiki bars and decorations. And like <laughs> we, when we brought a show, we brought a show. <laughs> I think the first time I remember seeing you guys around, I don't exactly remember where, but it was outside. And I do remember a tiki bar and like Hawaiian shirts. And... We played one show one year behind the Harat where uh, Stan, the owner of Harat, covered the entire back parking lot in sand and had our tiki <laughs> bars out there. And we played all day, had a dunk tank and damn beach volleyball and hula contests. And so it's like, well, it tells you the difference in the scene now compared to then because I couldn't imagine. Anything oh, no, like nobody that would do coming then. into that though. Dude, what's it? What was it like back then getting shows and playing around? It was fun. It was busy. We were always playing, and that's you know that's how we met so many people and got so many different connections, and how I got to be in so many other bands because yeah. of that. Because there was so much stuff to do in town that it, you know there was no it, this was, this was a strictly metal crowd. This mm-hmm. was a strictly jam crowd. This you know it was everybody was kind of together thrown into the mix and mingle you know sometimes mm-hmm. you didn't get along sometimes you did i mean you had the hooligans but yeah i mean that's in every scene right? exactly yeah uh looking at the venues now what was how many were back then like around 2000 because i feel muncie only has like 
three right now. It would. I I can't remember. It was you know the speakeasy. We played a lot of speakeasy where Be Here Now is. Yeah. Um, and before that, it was Headliners, but we never played Headliners. Uh, like I said, we played the Flying Tomato, the Village, um, Docks, which is now Valhalla. Um, Center Stage. Yeah. If you remember that yeah, one, the um, which now. is now the Mark. Um. That's about. You guys played the Water Bowl. We played the Water Bowl. I don't consider. I mean, we grew up around that area, so we knew the Irvings, the original Mm -hmm. owners, and but you know, being a beach surf band, you know, it's the only beach surf in town. So (laughs) anytime they'd want to do something, they'd give us a call. I heard a lot about the Flying Tomato on the episode I did with Kenji. It sounded like a fun place to play. It was. I mean, it was especially the age I was because. Still in high school, mm-hmm. we just wanted to get out and play and experience it. And, yeah. And it, that's what that's why we started the festivals mm-hmm. that we'll probably talk about was because we couldn't get into bars to play because we weren't 21. So, but the Flying Tomato was a restaurant, so anybody could come there. Mm-hmm. And our high school friends could come there. And it was a weird setup because you were on this little, I don't know if you've ever been in that building, but the stairs kind of going everywhere. Yeah, I've obviously been in it when after. It, yeah. I don't. I don't remember what bar it became. Well, it's the Twin Cats now, um, or I don't even know if it's open now, but uh, what was it? I don't, I don't remember. I remember going there when I went to Ball State. wasn't the in, wasn't the end zone, but it was something like that. Yeah, it was like sports theme bar. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. I didn't like it. I think I only went there maybe a handful of times when I was in college. So. Yeah, but yeah, the, play, the tomato was really cool to play. Just. Because of the way it was set up, and just the, like I said, you know, the age we were at, and yeah, do you? They, they actually would put you in the paper. You know, they would put their yeah. lineup of the month in the paper. So it's like, sweet, we made it into the paper. <laughs> you know, that type of shit. But <clears throat> and I, I liked playing COC when it mm-hmm. you know, first opened. I still like going in that room because the black and white tile and the stage, the only thing's the same mm-hmm. as the first time I ever went in that room. So I still like going in there. Um, I still like playing that stage. That's a fun stage to play to yeah. me. Um, uh, I played the Pickle Peach, but I don't think it was around at the time because mm-hmm. they all worked at the Herat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every bar tender or bar owner at some point has worked. Yes, they <laughs> Or had dealings with them. Did you ever play upstairs at the Hurot? I played all three floors at the Hurot. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> the third floor was treacherous because it was way up there. But I think it's the brewery now. Yeah. yeah. It was just this really small room that we played up there. But I've played the second floor quite a bit. And Have you seen it since it's been remodeled? Did they remodel it again from when it looked like a ship? Yeah. Oh, the ups- I was going to say the upstairs is different again because upstairs of Valhalla now, there's a stage also. You take that insane back fucking staircase and then now when you come up if you look when you come up if you look to your left it's an opening there's a stage a sound booth and all that and then if you go to your right it's pretty much blocked off from where the bathrooms were at mm. and then where the stage was at it's just like a wall now you can only go to the bathrooms over there oh wow unless you have a key there's a door like doors to go through but obviously it's blocked off I actually had my high school reunion up there. That's the <laughs> only reason I even got to see the remodeled. So that place apparently has been through a hell of a lot of changes since you've been around. Well, 
you know, you always, everybody loved, always loved the Hurat because of the dark and dinginess of mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it took a lot probably for Stan to give that up and yeah. like start cleaning things mm-hmm. and repainting and making it a little brighter in there. <laughs> My favorite thing upstairs playing there, going off track a little bit on that, the second floor stage mm-hmm. was just how small and packed it was. Oh, yeah. Like, it was very personal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were, and that's what another thing I liked about uh, the speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the stage was maybe, what, a few inches high. Yeah. And everybody was just right, right there on, on you. And I don't mind being on the taller stages, but I also like, you know, more being involved. And... Yeah, I like I like eye contact. And it, it used to freak people out when I first started playing, when we'd play on shows like that. Because I would just, like, lean in. Stare at him. Just, yeah. I always thought that was fun, though. Uh, I'm way in the back. Ain't nobody looking at me. <laughs> uh so Easy Lays is around 2000. What other bands were you in around that time? Or did you not start playing in other bands until later? Because like you said, dude. It was around that time that I started getting calls for other bands. Mm-hmm. and A good drummer, man. <laughs> that shit's hard to find. Yeah, and, and I don't know if there's more, but at that time there was, you know, really kind of few and far between. And especially some ones that, and this didn't put anybody down, but that, that wanted to step out of their genre. Mm-hmm. You know, because Dave Dalton is fantastic, but will Dave Dalton be able to play like with Pray for Mojo, like play bluegrass for mm-hmm. two and a half hours? He probably could. I'm not like I said, yeah, I'm not yeah. putting anybody down, but a lot of those phone calls were coming to me, and if you remember Michael Wedmore, mm-hmm. you know, Wed, yeah, and so rest in peace, yeah, and uh, so we were kind of getting, <laughs> hey, we need somebody to fill in, or hey, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm. I like what I'm doing with this band, but I like to do something else, you know? Yeah. Do you want to be the drummer in that? I've turned down quite a few. Like, I'm not just not the drummer you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But it was around 2000, 2001, something that I started getting phone calls. And a lot of those bands kind of went by the wayside. Like, we'd practice for a couple of weeks, and then nothing yeah. would come of it. Yeah. And then, or, you know, when I was playing with Pray for Mojo, it was hit or miss on, you know, because mm-hmm. they would get a lot of weird random shows like the Layswood and some that they couldn't be louder so they couldn't have a drummer and yeah. some like hey we're playing this outdoor gig you want to come join us sure why not <laughs> we gonna practice before uh no i'm like okay whatever just wing it <laughs> yep just get up there and do it and so it was around then i started getting all those phone calls and... what bands stick out around that time to you uh well um I got to audition for uh, Mantis mm-hmm. when Nick left that band, and it was, and I didn't get the gig. But through that, um, I got hooked up with Jay Kennedy, and we started doing Malachi. Yeah, I remember Malachi. And like we did Malachi for like eight years. Yeah. And um, then that switched over to me and the bass player leaving and going and doing a Beware the Other Worldsmen. <laughs> that band wasn't around say, that real long. We, we played a couple shows. Like we played like, like out in Albany, and we played a couple shows downtown. Mm-hmm. We didn't play out that much, but but then also, you know, was dating this girl, met this group of guys that were you know they were mediocre, and their drummer was leaving, so I joined Mediocre mm-hmm. with Sloppy and Gummer and all them. And yeah, that band, that band name rings a bell. Yeah, well, and then. I've seen Sloppy all... left, and that's when we became Riverfront. Okay, that's and the name I remember. Yeah. Well, you should. You Yeah. 
<laughs> had you come up on the stage to yes. kick us off at one time. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, we still talk about that because you brought two people up for Gomer and one for me. It's like They sent me to talk to you because... Uh, We'll we'll go off on this tangent for a second, cause I I still do to this day I still feel like an ass. But I was working at Docs, your band was playing, and the manager told me to go tell you guys to get off the stage and, for a DJ. Yeah, and I was like, bro, you got to be kidding me. And he was like, no, you need to go do it. He was like, I know you know the drummer. He was like, you're in this scene here. He was like, I I know you know them. And I'm like, man, why do I got to be the one to do it? Like, and he's like, cause you know them. You know at least one of them. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Dude, it took me like 10, 15 minutes of like just building enough courage to just be like, hey, Patty, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> you but... guys need to stop. But we were only like two or three songs into it as well. That's what really kind of pissed yeah. us off the most. Uh, but damn, man. But you, you, I mean, you'll have those. If you haven't had a situation sort of like that, you know, yeah, either getting pushed back in time or getting your time cut or, you know. But like three songs. Three songs yeah. is a bit much, yeah. I, dude, I still feel like an ass over that. It wasn't my decision. Oh, I know, But yeah. it's still. We're not putting blame. But... Happened to be the one to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, <laughs> I didn't remember that part until you brought that up. But like I said, <laughs> I remember Riverfront, so. And that was really one of the last bands that I was in. Um, like, we continued on as Riverfront for, I don't know, a good seven years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, what know, time frame was that around? Uh, Well, we, it ended probably about three years ago, like, when mm-hmm. I first, you know, stopped kind of playing. Yeah. Um, so then, I don't know, seven years before that, the last ten years. I was going to say, because I remember the show I had to, because I worked there in, like, 2011 and 12, so... It, yeah, that, so, that time yeah. frame makes sense. Uh, obviously, bringing up the Leaf stuff, what what uh, got you? Got I mean, it was you and a few other people. It was mostly the band Green, all those guys that I mm-hmm. talked about, and a few others, um, friends that we had that wanted to help. But really, we started doing those because Muncie was a lot like it is today. Not a whole lot of places mm-hmm. to play. Anyway, and then also not a lot of places, you know, if you're not 21. Yeah, I remember. And I snuck into the speakeasy a few yeah, times. Yeah, I jumped the back fence for a headliner to go see the Y store. Yeah. Back when I was in, <laughs> you know, 17, 18 or something like that. Um, so we we decided to, we wanted to throw an outdoor gig. Like I said, we did one of our first gigs was at Wombat Fest, mm-hmm. and it was way out in the country in a big barn, and like it was a blast. So we're like, you know, we can't get gigs let's have our own mm-hmm. and where we had them was nate's parents house and they had this really natural amphitheater in their front yard mm-hmm. like we could set the stage up at the bottom and so we started doing that we didn't think it was going to last 10 years <laughs> like we yeah just, we're like i mean that first year we were throwing we were putting bands together to have like a full lineup mm-hmm. of a half a day's yeah half days worth of music worth of people there yeah and then that one went off successfully, so we did another one. What was it? What was the first one called? Fallen Leaf. Just Fallen yeah. Leaf. Yeah. Um, and we did it in the fall. Because um, we're unoriginal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we did that for a couple of years, the Fallen Leaf, and then we wanted to do another one. So we decided to do two in one year, and we did one in the spring and named it Budding Leaf. And again, they were all going well, because we mm-hmm. were a non-for-profit 
you know, organization. We had a bunch of group. We had a president, a vice president, yeah. secretary. So it wasn't just one person making decisions. And if you put money into it, kept your receipt, you get money back. And yeah. whatever money we made, we pay for the next festival. So, you know, okay, that one went off well. That went off well. So we had two going. That was for a few years. And then we had known and met all the people in the heavier side of music because you know, I went to Delta, so I went to school with uh, Starkey mm-hmm. and Mike Johns. And so I knew the Necropolis guys, and, and we met the Legion guys. And so we decided, like, well, let's throw one in the wintertime and you know, yeah. name him Deadleaf because it was going off the whole, you know, the budding of plants, falling of plants. And in the wintertime, they're all dead. So we decided to start throwing the metal one. And that one was our most popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was our it was our easiest one to throw too because it wasn't outside. So when was the first one? The first dead leaf. I two thousand five or six. That's what I was thinking around something around there. Around there, I, know, like, I was I think, still in high I school. Say like two thousand, like we threw ninety nine, two thousand. We threw the first fallen leaf, and we did just that fallen leaf. Just the one a year for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and then we decided, like I said, do the budding leaf. We did the two a year for a couple of years, and then decided to throw yeah. the third one in. And we had plans to do a summer event and name it Green Leaf, mm-hmm. but we never got around to doing that one because yeah. summertime is so busy. You know, it's harder to decide when it's going to be a good time to do mm-hmm. it when Especially people are not going to be out of town. And, yeah, and campus, you know, but you can't rely on campus really too much in this town no. i mean especially now because a lot of kids don't like to get out and about yeah. and do things but even then it was you know we'd always try to do like do the fall leaf before graduation before mm-hmm. all the ball state kids left and it's like you wouldn't really see a whole lot of ball state yeah. crowd out there but <laughs> it was a lot of townies mm-hmm. i'm good you know I'm... yeah dude keeping the locals involved like that's one thing i notice when i go to be here now a lot you do see college kids, but I see more local people than yeah. I do college people, especially at the shows and everything. So, well, it's, a lot of local people have been going in that, you know, like I was talking about the room of Valhalla. Yeah. You know, that building, even though it's changed a lot, mm-hmm. is still the same a lot. You know, staircases are still in the same places. Yeah. Nothing's been remodeled too bad. You know, the spiral seen- painting on the floor, on the that's been there since Headliners. Damn. Like, yeah, I didn't realize all that. But you said uh, Dead Leaf ended up being the most popular of the three. Yeah, I would say, yeah. What was... Oh, I fucking still had MySpace. So I could find that original Dead Leaf flyer. I thought about going through bunches of shit, because I have a bunch of the shit yeah. at home. Like, I've got like all the hoodies that we made mm-hmm. because we didn't sell the hoodies. We made the hoodies for the people in the organization. So I still have all those. I still have all my lanyards. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a big plastic tub. I've got flyers and newspaper articles and all that. Yeah. So I, I'm like the archivist of it all back then. And, but I didn't dig any of that shit out. <laughs> no, dude, you're good. Uh, I remember my first Dead Leaf experience. Oh, God. I remember, That's good, because I probably don't. <laughs> I remember getting there, like, I want to say, like, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and just being there all day. Mm-hmm. My, Where was it at? Uh, the, the first one I remember is Center Stage. Okay. So I think that was probably the second year we threw it. Because the first year we threw it at the uh, 
fairgrounds. Yeah, and I remember hearing about that one, but at the time, dude, I was I was still in high school. My mom was awesome. She let me play music, do all that, but she was still like iffy. Yeah, and uh, so my the I ended up going to the first one at Center Stage because she knew the building. Yeah, because I had gone to other shows there, so she knew fairgrounds. There's a lot of area for me to wander off and go do stupid shit, and. At center stage, she had me go with a friend of mine who was a lot older than me and was like, hey, I want, I, you probably met him. I he played in Rev 13 for a while, Mike Queen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he went with me. My mom yeah. was like, keep an eye on him, make sure he doesn't do anything dumb. Now, was she one of the ones we gave the tour of the building to yeah. like before? Yeah. Because right. I knew we had a few parents like that. Like, oh, I just want to come in and check it out. And yeah. Like, go right ahead. Was, like, we'll show you what's going that, on. That was My mom was one of them. And, uh. I just, re- I remember fucking Necrophagus and just Legion and all these heavy bands and just getting to experience all that at once. Yeah. Like, as a, growing up as a metalhead, I had, like, one friend that was super into the, like, scene and the music, and he's in the band now with his Cody Piercy. So, at that yeah, time, Cody. yeah, at that time, dude, it was, I didn't really know a lot of people that were into that. I had Mike and I had Cody, and Cody obviously was there, so. yeah. But I can't remember all the bands that played. Uh, I remember I still I have like a lot of Legion, Dying Gear. Um, oh, Dying. Revelation Thirteen might have played. Um, if Mantis was around, then I think they might have. I remember seeing them on one of one of them. I don't remember um, or a few of them. I just don't remember which. If it was Mantis or Red Horse or Shasaeus. I know uh, Tempest. If you remember, yeah, them, oh, yeah. Were... I played in Leviathan, which was yeah. Tempest. After <laughs> it's the same, pretty much same members, just yeah. doing different things. Yeah, I remember Tempest being there. Uh, Laid the waste keeps popping. Laid the waste, head. yeah. Ken, Jay Kennedy was in that yeah. one, and and uh, Sledge keeps popping in my yeah. head. Sledge uh, with Phil and I think Starkey was in that time. Yeah, uh, I still have some CDs Ed, that I got from going to those. I have a lot of like, I can't, I have like a. You remember the old CD books? Oh yeah, I have yeah. one full of, like old local stuff that I used to get all the time. Uh, well, I've got a stack of local bands that I because we would get CDs sent to us mm-hmm. or like you know when we were going to be putting on these festivals, you know we didn't. Hey, we need nine bands. We have six, so it's like, hey, we got to go find. Yeah, because we couldn't put a metal band together, mm-hmm. you know. So you go out to shows and you just mingle. Oh wait, you're you're Patty, the guy with the deadly. Here, have our CD. You're like, okay, and I'd go home with a stack of them, you know, and just we'd sit around at our FLP meetings and listen to the mm-hmm. CDs and be like, all right, do we want to have this band? That's that's why I, I that's the thing that I loved most about. Only Productions was it was not just one person it was a organization and you know we all had an input Mm -hmm. so I didn't know you guys went through and listened to CDs and did all that oh yeah that's cool uh I I uh I love this band and I went to see them a bunch of times after seeing them at Deadly but they were called Imminent Demise yeah fucking the singer was just a giant <laughs> and i just remember i was like i was hooked dude when i saw them perform them and a bunch of other bands but that name i when i was in leviathan we played with them a bunch of times and i've always and i just i still have that cd from deadly that i got that year 
there's a lot of good <laughs> memories of Deadleaf shows, especially from like my age group and like the metalheads. Like, uh, my drummer's not from Muncie, so he d- he wasn't around for all that. He only moved here a couple years ago. He played in Muncie uh, over the year, like within the past like six years or so. But he, you know, he just moved yeah. here. Uh, Cody, obviously, everyone in the metal scene knows who Cody is. Uh, but my buddy Zach, who's in the band with me too, he grew up. He grew up like right down the road from where Center Stage was at, so he was he was at a lot of those shows too. And we we still talk about that, dude. Uh, walking down to McDonald's in between bands, oh yeah, all all the fun shit. I mean, it was, we didn't throw like we we liked the outdoor fest to be out in the country, and you can get away with more stuff. <laughs> Well, yeah, but Muncie also doesn't like you to not involve them. Mm-hmm. And I've ran into so that issue myself. We, you know, we got a lot of shit from Muncie. You know, we weren't, you know, getting this permit for this. We weren't getting this permit for that. And so we tried to move it in the summer ones in town. Like mm-hmm. we, we threw one, either a fall leap or a budding leap. We threw it at the fairgrounds, like yeah. out in the carnival area yeah. outside. And, it just wasn't the same because out out in the country we incorporated camping into mm-hmm. it, and you know, so it was. I was wondering just which the one whole was thing. that the the, the car or the fair area because I remember going to that. That one, I'm not. Like I said, all I the, the dates run yeah, together. I don't like, remember what year it was, but I remember going to one of the leaf shows at the uh, fairgrounds, but not in a building. Yeah. So I, that's cool that I. I can actually have something with that memory now because for the longest time dude when i would think of the fallen leaf shows i couldn't place that one but i remember going to a fallen leaf show at the fairgrounds in the fair area but i for the life of me i could just never exactly remember what it was so i appreciate now i have context for <laughs> we did that i think i think we only did it one year and then we tried to move back out in the country and that's when we really pissed muncie off and they shut us down i remember we we threw it out out towards Selma area, out by the reservoir, and Nate and I were in town running last-minute errands, and we get back out there, and there's like seven or eight cop cars. And Nate and I look at it, we're like, we're going to jail. We don't know what we did, but we're going to jail. But, yeah, they they cited us for not having enough porta pots not having a dumpster out there, not having permits for excessive noise or something like that and like they pretty much just shut anything us down. they like, could yeah, throw at you like, we had to stand like i had to stand out on the street and turn people away that had driven from ohio and stuff just like just drive around the block these guys are gonna leave in about 20 minutes and then yeah we'll just do it you know go but, down park at another area yeah, or and something we, come back so we still had a few bands play that festival but it wasn't as big festival. as it should have like, been we couldn't call it ours we couldn't charge admittance like it was a total loss for everybody like but you'll have those and then you know that's why i said all the dead leaves were easier because we'd have them in, ta- in town and the first one we had at the fairgrounds but everybody kept bitching about alcohol that you was can't the, have alcohol at the fairgrounds yeah that was an issue i ran into when i so then we found center stage, and it's like, okay, well, they have a bar in the back, but not mm-hmm. in the area, so it's easier to keep the 21, the people who want to drink, and the not 21 yeah. is separate, so we started throwing it there, and there we didn't have to get the permits for the bathrooms, we didn't have to get the permits mm-hmm. for 
disposal and all that stuff. So that's why I said it was a lot easier to throw and like our most popular ones because they were in town, not way out in the country, mm-hmm. like centralized. People could come see the two or three bands they wanted to play, and then it was quick out for yep. them if they wanted. I mean, a good location, yeah. right, right off Walnut Street downtown. Uh, I remember the the first year that I got to play at Devon, and fucking how excited I was because the band I was in, I was in Leviathan Rising, and we got to play Deadleaf, but uh, two of them had already played Deadleaf when they were in Tempest, and I hadn't got to play Deadleaf yet, and I remember when, I don't remember, I think Casey said it was, it was either you or Nathan that talked to him about it and, like, got us on the show. We played first, which I didn't fucking care. In my head, dude, I, that was... That was the show for me. Yeah. I, I grew up going to those. I knew you guys. Like, I was just excited to play first. Like, I didn't care if I was playing first. You'd put me oh, last. I've had those shows, like, too, where I'm I, like, I just want to be on this lineup. Yeah. I don't care if I'm playing first, or you can put me at last after the headliner when everybody mm-hmm. leaves. You know, I just want to be on this yeah, lineup. Yeah, and that is a cool memory for me. I actually still kept the flyer from that show just because I as know. a local kid growing up in the scene, that being the main show you look forward to every year, and then getting to play it, dude. I just, yeah, that's a cool memory for me. I'd, having even played the Budding Leaves and Fallen Leaves, I remember when Malachi, mm-hmm. you know, I finally got to play a Dead Leaf. I'm like, I wanted to play a fucking Dead Leaf. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see people out in front of me bang into each other, yeah. you know. That fucking pole, dude, oh, right the there pole. off the center of the stage. God. I was actually just at the mark with some friends the other day. Like a week ago, when we were talking about that, I'm like, "Yeah, I've seen somebody's nose get broken on that pole right there. Just he face planted it, and he went running out, nose bleeding, having the time of his life." Like, I had so many bruises on my arms and my back <laughs> from hitting that growing up. Uh, we thought about patting it, but enter at your own risk. That's what the sign said yeah. on the door. <laughs> enter at your own risk. We are not responsible for you if you get hurt, and we weren't, and no one ever. Maybe, maybe we got lucky on that or what, but like no one ever mm-hmm. charged us. But like you said, everybody, remember, everybody was hitting that pole and the, the nose. Oh yeah, that was I, a fear of mine. <laughs> somebody got—I I remember somebody got injured too at the one at the, the fairgrounds. But I think it was like a broken wrist or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was cement floor. So. Did you do it in the memorial building there? Yeah, all right. That's what I thought. I, that's a big reason why I did the Mayhem and Muncie show, the first three at the Memorial Building, because I thought that's where Deadly initially was. That's, that's That was the first location right. of it, yeah. I just wanted to pay homage to you guys. I mean, we've talked about that multiple oh, yeah, times. Yeah. Like like you said, the reason you started doing it is because there was, there was nothing going on, so you were like, fuck it, I'm going to throw my own show. And that's the mentality I took with it. And, and that was, you know... The mentality when we first started doing it, there wasn't too many places to play. But mm-hmm. then when we first started doing Dead Leaves too, because we knew all the metal guys, we knew a lot of them. But it was also becoming a lot harder for them to get shows at these other bars, mm-hmm. just because of the violence of the crowd. Yeah, club owners didn't really want to deal with that, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, well now they're struggling finding places to play. So that's why we'll, Dead Leaf was always the. Like I said, it was the one to look forward to because it was bands, even local bands, you maybe see two or three times a year. Exactly. But yeah. then you'd get the out of town bands coming in that were just as heavy as fuck, too. And it was just an all around good time. <clears throat> and I can't remember the name of them, but we, for Dead Leaves, because we were saving money on all that other extra bullshit, we mm-hmm. always tried to get like a 
sort of nationally known band, mm-hmm. you know, like one that's actually on a label and like touring around. Yeah. Like, like I said, I can't remember the name of some of the, the ones we got, but a couple of them didn't show up because of weather. Mm-hmm. You know, Indiana winters are sometimes a bitch. Yeah. You know? And you can't predict you, it. Well, yeah, you can't predict it, but it, it started becoming a joke that, okay, Dead Leafs that weekend is going to snow. Mm-hmm. Like, guaranteed it's going to fucking be a blizzard that weekend yeah. going because they leave that man nine times out of ten it happens and I so see. you got a band from florida going we can't make it. we can't make it like, <laughs> we don't know how to drive through that shit so it's like <laughs> can we have our deposit back like no okay fucking running shows dude. I tell you it's i've been it's not snow- all cracked up to be <laughs> i've been snowed out before i was nervous one year um uh, it was the toys for tot show that my band would we put on it was the first one and it wasn't supposed to snow it was <laughs> the week like i think that it was like the first weekend of december hadn't fucking snowed all week kind of felt like it does right now like 40s 50s nice weather we get to the show i'm setting up the boxes you know getting all the shit ready and then one of my band guys comes in and is like dude look outside and it's fucking blizzard weather <laughs> matter of a half hour yeah. all of a sudden went from nothing on the ground to fucking foot of who's snow. digging my car out yeah and i just remember thinking bro this is gonna ruin it i had legion and carrion vale and my band playing and i was like bro this is gonna suck carrion vale is coming from richmond legion was <laughs> kind of spaced out that year mm-hmm. i think they had like a guitar player coming from fort wayne and it actually turned out to be a good show. People, I put my my own band first because, like you said, you're like sometimes you want to play your own shows, like and uh, and if, if it's your show and you want to play it, and you know, you take the shit spot, like mm-hmm. and that, that was our mentality with it. Nobody wants to play first. If we're fine, we'll play first, and then especially when you're when you're the run running it and playing it, yeah, you get super busy. And you can't be doing your job to run it while you're on stage, so might as well get up there early, get it done, and then mm-hmm. you can be the festival person you need to be. That's why I, I was always like my mom. I'd like point inside. She helped me run door at a lot of our shows, especially the ones where we would be playing. When I would go play, my mom be like, "I got this," or my brother like, "Let me take care of it," and you go do your thing for half hour, however long your set was, and come back. Cause it's like you said, dude, you get busy. Even a small three, four band show, you're running around oh, talking yeah. to bands on your phone, trying to figure out shit. I just, for the life of me, dude, I don't know why the hell I even got into it. <laughs> and you get into those all day festivals too. It's like, you don't want to stick somebody at the door for eight hours. Yeah. Like, cause then they don't get to really experience. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with Lee productions, we had so many different people. It's like, okay, you, we had shifts worked out, you know, you get a two hour door shift and then you go from your two hour door shift to work in the food. And then you'll get two hours off. Mm-hmm. Or go if you know, you had your, you know, if you're in one of the bands playing, it's like, Hey, you know, you'll be up there doing that and everybody else will be working their shifts. And so it's, you can't do it alone. <laughs> you definitely yeah. can't do it alone. Uh, what made you stop doing the, the Fallen Leaf productions? What, what happened with you guys with that? Uh, really just the hassle of it. Um, that last year I was talking about when we moved it back out into the country mm-hmm. and, you know, they shut us down and we took a big financial hit and 
at that time we had some people in the organization who have moved, who had started families mm-hmm. and it was just a lot harder yeah. for everybody to get together and do it. And so it was just much like anything like bands and everything. It just kind of filtered apart and faded. Away. Yeah. I mean, I still talk to a lot of them. That's what still I good friends. Um, it's just, you still talk to Nate. I haven't spoken to Nate in a couple of years. Just I, just, I was wondering what happened to him. I haven't heard from him in a few years. Uh, from what I've heard, I mean, he's, he's still in town. He's still doing well. Um, he and his wife just had a kid. Mm. So, um, he's a father now. He's getting to experience all that. <laughs> um, but as far as I know, I don't think he's playing mm. anywhere. Going back, talking when you were started playing in high school, how were your parents? Uh, oh, my dad was band director, so I was born into it. Oh, yeah, nice. and so I, you know, that's pretty much why I picked drums because mm-hmm. you know, when we were with dad, we'd be at the high school like on a Saturday, mm-hmm. the whole band room's empty, but the drum set's there. Yeah, so, so you... I would just crawl on the drum set and start beating away like animal. So that's why I gravitated that, and then mom, there was just kind of no. She wasn't going to say no. <laughs> She's much like your mom. She was a bit timid and, you know, me starting to go out and play in, mm-hmm. in places that she didn't know. But she never said no. She didn't agree with it. And, you know, and she came to a few shows. And yeah. Did your dad come to shows? No. Uh, my dad, unfortunately, passed away when I was 20. So he oh, didn't. So I didn't. Oh, you're yeah. good. Um, so he got to see, like, the high school version of Green mm-hmm. one time. We played at the uh, the tally in the student center on Ball State. Oh yeah, um, that's the thing people don't. Uh, the younger crowd don't realize is you could play shows there in the student center, especially around that time. Oh yeah, yeah. They had a big eating area that was mm-hmm. next to the food court called the tally, and had like a stage and mm-hmm. one end of it. And I don't even remember who booked us for that gig or what. <laughs> I very rarely got. The bookings, yeah. like a lot of those people would, you know, go through Nate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dad got to see that one, but Dad didn't get to see any of the others. He was gone before any of the festivals happened yeah. or any. I'm sorry, man. No, I you're good. To bring something like that up, <laughs> I think he would have liked the Easy Lays the most mm-hmm. out of everybody. He would have said every other every other band's too loud. <laughs> Easy Lays was always a fun time, especially when I was old enough to drink and I could vibe more. That buzz going on. Everybody always wondered why we started a Hawaiian surf band in landlocked Indiana, and I still don't really. <laughs> Sounded like a good idea. It's you know, a good idea at the time. Playing with, playing, continue playing music with my two best friends, and I didn't really hate Hawaiian music. It yeah. definitely grew on me over the years, but at the time I was like, we're going to play that. Like, it's You want me to play surf- Wipeout, the song that I played when I was <laughs> seven. Yeah. You still want me to play Wipeout as an adult. <laughs> like It's the Beach Boys. <laughs> and everybody thought it was Beach Boys, but it's hard to do five-part harmony with three guys that can't sing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up to, what was it, you said you, get, you quit playing in the past couple of years. What really happened with that? The law. <laughs> I got in trouble um, and had to do a year on house arrest. And obviously... Can't play. Can't house play or... out after that, and I'd switch jobs, and now the job I have, you know, I work all weekends and mm-hmm. nights, so it's just finding the time. Um, 
like I said, a lot of people that I played with in the past have families and You're a dad now too, so I'm a dad now. <coughs> I haven't seen him in a year. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> I keep bringing up shit, man. God. Like, I feel like a dick, dude. There there's paperwork filed and we're we're gonna get that situation figured out. I'm but, sorry, man. I but I mean this this last year has been crazy anyway. Insert with, foot and mouth. Nah, like <laughs> this last year's been crazy anyway, obviously with the pandemic mm. and you know it, you know, I understand keeping him safe because yeah. he has Down syndrome and whatnot, but it's gone too far. Yeah, dude. It, so it's time it's to make a some. Year. Yeah, it's time to nip that in the bud and get some changes made. So definitely, I agree with that. I don't agree with the dad not being able to see his kid, especially when he wants to. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like that, you're forcing me to be a deadbeat dad because you're not allowing me to. Whatever. Uh time come back to something else uh, what all recordings and everything do you guys have left over from those days because you said the easy lays is a cover band did you guys easy. record uh well we did um i mean this might be another thing people don't know but with ball state they have the state-of-the-art uh recording the, studios yeah. at the david letterman studios and those students need bands to mm -hmm. record, so we got hooked. I've recorded a couple I, different there. Yeah, I've done it three or four times. Yeah. So the Easy Lays did a recording up there. Um, like we, we have videos of us and from like the Halloween shows mm -hmm. downtown that Muncie used to do. And But the Easy Lays never really went in the recording studio except for that Ball State one. Um, Malachi did record an album. In uh, Andrew Christman's studio, uh, Palace of Sorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So that's out there somewhere. People have them. I think yeah. I have a couple at home. I I don't have any of that. Um. I know Riverfront. We did the Ball State Recording Studios. Um. But other than that, I don't really have too much out. Mm -hmm. We we recorded a lot of the. Uh, Festival sets and whatnot, because that was a we weren't paying. You bands. were a live band. Yeah, we were, and we weren't paying bands, but we were, we would professionally aid at record them mm -hmm. and give them that so they could download it and yeah. release a live album if they wanted to. So we have those, and so there's stuff out there, but, but not. Yeah, that makes sense though. A whole after, lot. Well, especially after seeing you guys the a few times when I did, it makes sense that you, I mean you guys were a live band like. Even being a cover band, like I don't think, I don't think people would have got the vibe. No, on a recording, you guys were just one of those bands you had to see live. Like you said, the tiki bars, the sand in the <laughs> the parking lot. Like I just like I was. We had a friend of our artist paint us a backdrop that looked like a volcano, yeah. and it was blacklight receptive. So at night we'd turn on blacklight and it would glow, and had the cauldrons of fire and the tiki torches mm -hmm. and. So like, yeah, it was. We were trying to put on as much of an experience as we could. Yeah. yeah. Where was your favorite place that you played at? In that band? Oh, we always went really well at the Freaky Tiki Fridays, mm -hmm. which they held in a parking lot downtown, yeah. um, but next to the Blue Bottle, which is now what Casa del Sol. Yeah. Um, and we always did really well there because we always did really well with older crowds. Mm -hmm. But older crowds didn't more like want to come into a bar to see us. They, you know, yeah. Probably wouldn't have come into docks, you know, out of their own 
I remember mental you guys shit, playing but, over there. So yeah, we, we did really well at those. Um, did really well out at the water bowl, and we did really well with um, like, well the goat because Nate was in the goat too, yeah. so we would kind of piggyback. Mm-hmm. I had to speak easy with them a lot, and you know that's how I got the final band that I was in was a uh, Jake Hendershot, the mm-hmm. singer of the Goat. I was in a band with him after he uh, auditioned with The Voice, <coughs> and we did that for a little while, and then he had some health issues that he had to get taken care of, and he's slowly starting to come back. Yeah, thank God that he healed, because um, he's a hell of a singer. Like, yeah, I remember hearing the. Uh... The voice episodes with him on it. Uh, I think I don't think there was a lot. Uh, there was actually he never actually made it onto the show I, per I, se, I, but he I, he I made it on to the audition clips. show. I remember the YouTube. Clips. He was on it for about fifteen seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I remember different YouTube clips because I remember when you said you were joining that band. I remember seeing it on Facebook, and that's when I was like, I'm gonna YouTube who this guy is. Like, I want to see. And we weren't allowed to like when we when he put the band together, we weren't allowed to tell anybody that mm-hmm. he was auditioning for the Voice. And, I mean, he made it through so many rounds of auditions just through, yeah. you know, recording yourself at home. Online, and that's probably why I, them. I would see the clips, because they were never long clips. No. But they were, I always saw little clips of that. But I always, I try to keep up on, like, people that I know and care about, like, what they're doing musically, especially if I met you through music. And that's what wanted me to look him up, because I didn't know the name. Yeah. The name wasn't it Jake Hendershot and the something like weren't you guys? Uh, the Vintage Reserve. Yes, yeah. and I, I I'm always curious <coughs> too when a person puts their name as the band name. Yeah. So that's kind of what drew my attention into that as well. Well, I, I think he he offered it up to us if we wanted to just have the name as Jake Hendershot. We but we thought it'd be cool to have something else and yeah. We were you know all older guys kind of that grew up in this scene because. Mm-hmm. Jake and Luke Crawley were in like Utopian Height back in the day when I was still in high school. Like they were the central band, we were the Delta band, and and then so I knew him through there. And then obviously Jake went on and formed the Goat and mm-hmm. played with Nate all those years of that. Yeah, I remember seeing the Goat. A few I times. filled in for the Goat a few times, mm-hmm. and so then when Jake started doing his solo stuff and doing all that, trying to get on the Voice, he called some people. Yeah, and I was the guy that he called. <laughs> I was like, "That's why it's cool yeah. how all that works out." I mean, when you, when you listen to somebody sing you the phone book, like, because I just love Jake's voice. Uh-huh. Like, like yeah, I listen to you sing the phone book to me. Hell yeah, I need to be in a band with you. Like, <laughs> um, <coughs> going, we talked about uh, Wedmore. Were you the one behind Wedfest out at the Water Bowl? No, um, that was probably more Nate. I mean, I I played. Yeah, in five different bands that at yeah. that festival, but um, that's one thing we haven't got to talk about no. the five different band era. It it lasted for a minute. Thank God you had two drum sets because you could just leave one one place and one in another place and just kind of. What <laughs> all five bands were there at that time? It was still, I think, see at that time that I was talking to you about. I'm pretty sure the Easy Lays were still going. Um, I think Mediocre Riverfront was going its time as well. Um, that's when that uh, Beware the Other Worldsmen that I talked about mm-hmm. that came from Malachi. Um, I was jamming with Pray for Mojo. 
off and on and there's a local comedian in town named Mikey Mason Mm -hmm. and he was putting a band together and I was practicing to do some stuff with him on, you know, five practices in one week, you know, sometimes it was, and then gigs on the weekends if, if, if we had them. God, so. I don't know. How you <laughs> I did two bands at once and thought that was too much. Like, <laughs> well, at, at Wedfest, I played, uh, with, with Green. We got it. We had a reunion with Green. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Wed played with Green a few times, played hand drums and yeah. whatnot. And then I, Played with the Easy Lays. I played with Riverfront. I played uh, percussion with the Goat, and I played with the majority of the songs with Ridiculous, which mm-hmm. was Wed's band. And so they wanted to, me to play mm-hmm. in Wed's spot, which is some pretty big shoes to fill. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I remember that band. I I didn't have a lot of interactions with him, but I remember the band. Uh, I actually played that Wed Fest too. We played super late. It was like one in the morning. It was but, three days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember which day we played on because there's a lot of alcohol. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just celebrating someone's life. like. And this isn't a joke about Wedge's size, but somebody of his size and caliber in this town, mm-hmm. like, I mean, for what he'd it was done. Crazy the amount of people that came out and bands and just the influence he had overall. Like, Getting to hear all the stories, that's one reason I like to do this, is I like to hear stories. Yeah. And being able to hear about the influence that just one person has, it's crazy. Especially in a small town like this, like one person being able to, I mean, dude still lives on. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about him now, and that was, what, four or five years ago? Seven. Seven. I think when Wedfest was, I think it was seven years ago. My time frame, <laughs> but exactly seven years later, and we're still talking about mm-hmm. it. Uh, that that was just a experience in itself. That whole and getting to play that, we got offered to play it in a similar situation with what you were talking about. Uh, someone had hit me up asking about music, and I didn't know. I knew Wedfest was going on. I didn't know I was going to get a chance to play it. It's like at the band I was playing in at the time, we didn't have. So what we did is we took a laptop, yeah, put a pillow over it, and practiced. A good old pillow <laughs> soundproofing. Yeah, and then uh, we had our vocalist put the vocals on after we did it, with like a similar setup to this, and mm-hmm. just kind of screamed. But the <laughs> it was it was dumb, but I mean, we wanted to play shows. Got gotcha, you the gig. Yeah, <laughs> and I rem- I sent it. Uh, God, I don't even tell I sent it. But I remember getting a message from Reese being like, hey, got a 1 a.m. spot. You guys want it? He was like, you're a lot heavier than a lot of the bands are going to be playing. But he's like, we don't care. Like, we like what we heard kind of thing. It was probably a Saturday night. You guys probably played Saturday night because I know we had So Sayeth play yeah. as well. I, and... I, I played on, um, pretty sure I played on the rig of so say it's basement because at that time dude i was playing through a little practice and I, you go dude you know how it is you go through motions where like i'm gonna sell my gear quit playing and, well, i've never been through that well, <laughs> i still have the, the same kid i bought in high school well shit then you're better <laughs> than me at that because i i i would just get 
feel like I'd get burnt out, and then I'd sell my shit. Then I'd be pissed and want my shit back. And I had, that year, I was one of those years. And then the band was like, three friends hit me up. Hey, dude, let's play. And then a couple months in, Wedfest was actually our first show as that band. It was, we only played like five shows, but uh, yeah, I remember. I don't remember. I, it must. I think that was when Reese was playing in So Sayeth. I think so. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was his bass rig that I used. Was it an orange? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was his. Yeah. And he told me to take it easy on it, and <laughs> I uh, I remember for a while, like our first like three songs. Uh, Bowser and Kindred were actually like sitting on the rig and holding my input in because I I was drunk as his. We were playing like gr- grind death metal. So I'm just running into it just being crazy and I just remember them sitting there holding it but also like holding the rig down too. Like <laughs> so it wouldn't go yeah. flying. That was a good time. And like I said, dude, so much alcohol. Well, there's so much emotions going through that weekend anyway, just because the, the memorial, mm. like I said, of just that guy and all the people he reached out to. And we, you know, we lit off all those lanterns, if you yeah, remember. Yeah, I remember that. Lanterns and, <laughs> you know, he had, we couldn't let it go without ha- having a big throw out for the man. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, like I said, I, I don't remember having a huge part in the booking of all that or doing much, but, you know, like, we helped a lot with the setup of mm-hmm. it just by doing all the other leaf fests that we had. So we'd had plenty of experience in doing days long festivals outside. And <coughs> it was a lot of fun. I had to learn a lot of songs that weekend. And dude, five bands. I can't, I can't grasp five bands worth of music. Dude, I'm struggling right now with the band, right? Because we scrapped our old sets with genres, doing all that, and I'm playing with a pick now. I I always like playing with my fingers. I just always like the tone better. But yeah, we lost a guitarist. We switched genres. We're playing faster. I just couldn't keep up and switch to a pick to get a, more of a cleaner sound. You trying to learn? I couldn't imagine doing five bands worth of music. Like how? I mean, you survived, obviously, because you played all of the shit. Or... Well, a lot of it stems back to, like I said, Dad was a band director, so I've been around music my entire life. Yeah. Like, di- of different genres, you know? And, you know, obviously grew up, Dad was a high school band director, so marching bands, jazz mm-hmm. bands, concert bands, all that. Did you do all that? I did, yeah. I did 10 years of marching band. I did, like, six in high school, because I did it before. I was a freshman, and I did it after I graduated. Mm. I did four years at Ball State, and uh, did jazz bands through all that. So I just had musical knowledge and musical, yeah, you know, and diversity. Even, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what that's the word I was looking for, and so it was easy for me to pick up. Mm. And that's why I said, you know, I've turned down a lot of bands. A lot of the bands I have turned down are metal bands because mm. I don't have the feet for it. Yeah. Like I didn't spend all my time practicing my feet. Like, so blast beats are, they're, they're not in my mm-hmm. grasp. They're not in my wheelhouse. But I got really decent hands mm-hmm. and decent feet, just not for not fast shit, yeah. blast beats and whatnot. But so for me, it's kind of easy to pick it up. And I, I just need to know where the changes are. Mm-hmm. 
Like I'm not focusing on. That's how you could improv when you were telling me the band was like, "Yeah, we're just gonna play. You just got to kind of pick up on it." Yeah, and, and even playing with Pray for Mojo when I was playing the bluegrass, like Brian Fickle was really good about like putting your his foot up, like it's gonna change now. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, as long as I know where the change is, I'll go. Like, I'll so follow you, it. He caught on to people's body language, yeah. being able to figure things out too. Yeah, I can read people on stage really mm-hmm. well and know when things are gonna start. Okay, key changes are going to be now. I'm like, I'm not even following what key was in before. You know? mm-hmm. I just know it's going to be there. So as long as you can get that grasp on it, like you can pick up stuff really easy. Like at Wedfest, you know, Ridiculous is coming up and going, hey, you're going to play this song. Run to the car, listen to the CD. Like, okay, it changes there. I mean, I kind of knew the songs anyway because mm-hmm. I banded the band and just I bought the CD br- myself. brush up. But just to go through it in my head, mm-hmm. like, okay, there's the changes, there's the changes, and then you go work something out with them, like, give me a cue here when it's going to... Yeah. So if you, you get a grasp on that, you can do it pretty easily. It was, for me, it was all the, especially being a drummer, it's the moving the equipment, which was hard on, more hard on me than anything, mm-hmm. than learning the music or any of that. That shit's not light. <laughs> How many different stages did you play on it? I remember there was well there we had like we there... had the two stages side by side yeah. so you, i would did you have to move back and no. forth so that they were cool enough and let you keep your kit right that's there. the way we set it up that way because like on saturday i played with the easy lays we played first mm-hmm. that morning and then the other side of the stage would play and then green played and then i would just have to slide my drum set off have another band play and then once they took theirs off, i would just slide it back in that's cool that they let you do it like that well, it was our rig. Yeah, dude, that <laughs> it was the it was the FLP. Yeah, it's just like we had one crew running the sound on that side of the stage, mm-hmm. and then our crew, our guy Fred, running ours. So I worked. With, I went to high school with Fred. Yeah, middle school. So you know, you known this guy a long time. Oh yeah, fucking, yeah. So you're like, hey, dude, I'm staying on this stage. I'm in five bands. My kit's not moving. I'll slide it back out of their way, but it has to stay. Yeah, you know, here. you know, we're not gonna have to check my levels. You. But... Mm-hmm. Especially if I didn't, if we, if I didn't have to move it, like he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't even touch nothing. Like he'd take the guitar rigs down and mm-hmm. do that. But if he didn't have to touch the drums, and I was boom set up ready to go, then the and next drums one. Drums take a while to get. Like... <laughs> yes, they take a while to get tuned up <laughs> and leveled up, and God damn, just playing quarter notes over and over and over yep. until he gets that damn. All right, I'm good. All right, sweet. Or anything else you want to add in here? Right. Well, actually, I'm curious. When was the last show you played? Before we go to the winding down part. I want to know when when the last time you played a show. I think probably the last show I played was probably one of the last Christmas jams that Hendershot put on. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were doing the Vintage Reserve stuff. Um, I think that three years ago, I think, was like that Christmas jam was like the last time I played. It was to a packed house because mm-hmm. of essentially Hendershot. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and well, actually, no. The last shot, what the last one was with Hendershot, but it was at the Peach. Oh. Um, I think it was his last show before he, you know, had to go because he had, he had cancer and a lymph node, mm-hmm. and um, so it was his last show before he was going to go. Medical leave and get all that done, and that place was packed. I mean, fire marshal 
turning people away mm-hmm. packed. Like <laughs> we had more room on stage and we had six or seven people up on that tiny ass little yeah. beach stage and we had more room right there than in the entire room. Yeah, I had more room just in my little bubble of my drum set than they did out in mm-hmm. the crowd sitting there. That's cool though that people showed up for him like that. <laughs> it says a lot about this town and a lot about you know certain musicians and the, mm. the respect that you get from a lot and that's that's unfortunately what i think is gonna go down in this town is being able to get that mutual respect for other musicians and bands and get that you know for friendships like meeting you at you and i meeting you know randomly yeah and meeting because at such a young age, too. Yeah, but, well, because there's not things going on like that where, you know, people of the same mindset can get together mm-hmm. and enjoy what music they like to enjoy and rub elbows. Yeah, and... well, you're, you're just someone I always like maintaining contact with anyway, even if it didn't have to do with the band. I would, I'd remember times just sitting with you at a bar and drinking with mm-hmm. you just because I just like the camaraderie. Like, I know I'm younger than you, but at the same time, it's cool to have someone older than me too that also was an influence on me at a young age and as a, you're still an influence on me as an adult so <laughs> i appreciate that i mean even chris smiley says i'm an influence on me and he can play circles around me <laughs> now and I'm, he's like dude you you got me started i was like okay but like you can outplay the shit out of me yeah. now but you want to hear a funny story actually that ties into one of the shows you put on remember how i told you the, the I got to play the One Dead Leaf, and it was with Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Chris was our drummer. Mm-hmm. He was playing without a shirt on. Chris's mom didn't know Chris had a chest tattoo. She shows up to the show, watching us play, and sees Chris without a shirt on. And <laughs> she lost her mom. Because it's not a small tattoo. No, yeah. dude, you know the, what oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about, that giant phoenix on his chest. Oh my god, dude! I, I I don't think we saw Chris for like a month after that. <laughs> Our uh, the guitar player we had at the time actually ended up having to play drum drums for us a few times because we already had booked shows. But Chris was like, "My mom tells me I'm still in high school, but he just has this giant chest piece." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. And you're right. I, you're- I remember. Uh, well, the percussionist in. Jake Hendershot in the Vintage Reserves, Justin Browning. That name sounds He played um he played with a band called Groove On and we had him play one of the early Fawn Leaves, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, out at Nate's parents' house. He had to get up and leave in the middle of their set because he had a curfew. Because he was still in high school and he had to get back to Newcastle and he had to get <laughs> he had to pack his shit up halfway through and be like, I gotta go, I gotta get home. Like the, the And now he was in, you know, years later he's my percussionist and the reserves. You yeah. Know? So it was like, that's just <laughs> random circle. meeting them. But that's what I, I think is going to go down in this town just because there's not opportunities. Mm-hmm. Pandemic aside, dude, I. Pandemic aside, they're, they're still, bar owners want to be lazy. Like they don't want to, mm. they'll let you play on your stage, but they're not going to promote you. They're not going to help you get, you know, Sure, you can play, but bring a crowd. Yeah. And if you don't bring a crowd, they won't let you play again, but they're not going to help you bring a crowd, mm-hmm. and they're not going to have somebody there working the door. You know, They'll have somebody working their sound because it's theirs, but yeah. you know, it's, it's just a lot more footwork, and then mm-hmm. there's not 
Muncie's not putting, they're not doing the Halloween Hootenanny downtown things no anymore. More freaky, but no, no more freaky tiki's, no more Muncie, you know, music, Muncie music fest. fest. Yeah, and it, I got to meet so many people just in those, mm-hmm. and you know it's. You're not technically doing business, but you are doing yeah. business because you're even, meeting people like, hey, you know, we could get a gig together. I think we yep. could go well. And That's know, a lot with being a local musician is just showing up to shows and yeah. meeting people that way. And, I mean, I remember times that for years where I was drinking a hell of a lot more, but I'd go down to docks and it'd be packed mm-hmm. and you would just meet so many people. You know, it was like you were bound to run into somebody there you knew. And you'd have a good time hanging out with that night. Mm-hmm. All that's gone. Like, you can go down there now, and there's like four or five people just sitting there. It's like, is anybody playing? It's a Friday night. No, there's no bands. You guys, I, have, you guys have like one of the best stages and sounds that's in yeah, town. And one of the best nobody's, sound guys in town. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, we, and nobody's playing. Like, uh, <laughs> for a while there, my band. Uh, we're good friends with Chris, especially me. Uh, Chris remembers me from being a kid at shows when he would run sound at like center stage and things mm-hmm. like that. He was like, I remember you, the little kid with long hair. Like, uh, We tried with Valhalla, and it wasn't anything on the venue, because like you said, best stage. Chris, with the, he's got all these crazy-ass lights oh, yeah. now. Dude, he has, he's done well for that. It was just getting people there. Like, yeah. We would make flyers. We'd put a flyer in the big, big ass window link flyer in the front. Try to promote on Facebook. Facebook sucks for bands. We all know that. I we could do a whole episode on just how social media sucks promoting yourself locally. Uh, but we did. We did. I think eleven shows in a year. We did like one a month. We tried to do different variety bands every time, and. It's just hard getting people out of their yeah. house anymore, getting people out to come to things. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't even want to go to movie theaters anymore. You can just stream it at your house. Yeah. Like, and now, I mean, uh, going into the pandemic, live streaming your band set's a cool thing because you still get the experience what your friends are doing. But my concerns after, like, what's going to happen when we don't live stream sets anymore? We're actually able to play venues again. It's like what you're talking about. It's are people going to come? Yeah. Like, I, I had people, the last show we put on at Valhalla was our, our last Toys for Tots show because we couldn't do it, obviously, with the pandemic this past December. Yeah. It was our third one. It's a fucking Toys for Tots show. We don't keep any of the money. Yeah. $5 for five bands. We had Hell Came Home at on that last one, which at the time, Hell Came Home, dude. Was breaking. They you yeah. know, just won the... They, 989, yep. the bear thing. They and... had a huge following. And we had uh, Demons of Rathica, who at, at that time and still had, they were building themselves up to have yeah. a good following. And then I had like my band, actually I have a flyer, a band called Quartet Six. I had to look at it real quick. Uh, but people were bitching about $5. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not keeping any of this money. We we had a lot of that in FLP too. Yeah, but. we had people bitch for three dollars because I used to run three dollar shows, five bands. I had a deal worked out. Chris and I we figured things out. Bands always got paid. It's shitty at the time. Chris, Chris tries. Oh yeah, he he's one of the 
the few people I think that still believe in the the local music here. I think it can be revived. It just needs people just need to not rely on other people to do it for you. Yeah, like you got to go out and make it on your own. And and it's, it's 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 hard. It's, it's tough. I, was and, saying, I don't know if you remember. You had that conversation with me before the first Mayhem and Muncie show. Because I initially, I did my first one, I think it was like 12, 12 or 13, but I pitched it to you, and you told me, you were like, you have to get out there and do it. Like, you're bitching that you're not being able to play these shows because you're in a metal band, the, and the stigma, and you were like, you told me just what you said. You're like, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to put this on. You have to get people there. Like, <laughs> you got to put in the legwork. And... It's as hard as it is to write the music, perfect the music, and mm-hmm. get your you know get your band down. Like it, a lot of people don't want to venture out and do all the other work on top of it. Yeah. They kind of just want to, well, you know, you got a stage, I got a band. Let me get on there. Let me get on there, and I don't share. Why, why isn't anybody here? Like, well, who'd you tell you were playing tonight? Uh, well, we put up on our Facebook page, or even. Yeah, MySpace was a little bit better, I think, for kind of I, bands. The thing I liked about MySpace was like, say I was looking up Malachi, and when I would type in and go to your guys' page, your music would start playing. Yeah, like that. instantly. Yeah, and that in itself just it would draw you in because, and then there was like options to purchase, or like, even if you went to somebody's page, like you didn't know the name of my band, but you knew my name. Yeah, like you went to my page, I could have my, and as soon as. You know, it's I could have Malachi's music playing as soon yep. as you come online, and you're like, oh, what's that band? And you can go to that, mm-hmm. and then that band could take you to somewhere else. Yeah. That band. I, now, it, you can't. Now it's everybody's selfies. And it's like, look what I'm wearing today. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> it, so that's sh- when I'm wearing blue jeans and a black t-shirt, the same damn thing I've wore every day for the last 10 years. It's lost on, I remember the flyers. I remember uh, handbills. I still have a couple from, like, the different leaf stuff, like, nice laminated. I remember going out and, like, I remember going down to um, Broad Ripple Mm -hmm. and stapling up flyers for the Uh, festivals we were having here in Muncie. You guys, I. And uh, we'd get out and, like, we'd we'd assign certain people different. Yeah, you would. Give them to you guys. Get into the, get to that school because mm-hmm. we weren't in the in the schools anymore. So we'd get them, and that worked out a lot more than just. Granted, social media wasn't around then, but well, and that's the it's thing getting out and doing the legwork, yeah. you know, and like actually, you know, driving all the way to Broad Ripple purely for the intent just to hang up mm-hmm. twenty flyers and driving home. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing that <laughs> people rely too much on like facebook to get people to their shows but the thing is is if you don't have a presence like if you're playing locally at least and you're playing at valhalla go down there and hang out before the show put up a flyer for your show there get to know the bartender and do things like that like be you know yeah the bartenders there are cool get to know chris He he may be a little like shy at first but he's one of the nicest dudes you'll ever fucking meet I've never known him as shy, but I've known Chris forever. Yeah. So. I've had people say he comes across kind of reserved when they go to talk to him. And I now think, I walk in there if I'm playing a gig. It's been years, but when I would walk in there, he'd look at me and go, not you again. 
<laughs> Are you back again? Like, he always would give me shit. I love talking to that guy, though. Cause there's just It's the same thing with you, man. There's so much knowledge to have just from him, from you. You've been around long enough. You're going to, you know, like you said, you're going to have stories to tell. You're going to have knowledge to pass on because... Mm-hmm. We've been through, I've been through hell and had great, I've had successes, I've yeah. had failures, I've had bands that I love being in, I've had almost fights with band members, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have that, but you're not going to have any, you know, success locally or in, outside of here unless you go through that shit, mm-hmm. unless you go through the mud and drag yourself up and take the shit spot gigs. and Yeah. Because you take the shit spot gig one year and they do it again next year. They're like, okay, well, you played first last year. Now we'll put you third or fourth. And it happens again. They're like, okay, now you can go fifth or sixth. Yeah. And so you just work your way up. So yeah. you have to put in the legwork. And a lot of people do not want to do that anymore. And it's harder now because a lot of people in the public don't want to come out anyway. And like you said, $5 for five bands. I mean, really? Come on. And all the money's going to kids. Like, what? Oh, and everybody thought, you know, when they'd come to a dead leaf or a fallen leaf and see 300, 350 people, they're like, oh, you guys must be banking. And I'm like, I'm not making a dime off of yeah. this. And that's like, like, what do you mean you're not making a dime off of this? Like, I'm getting my money back that I put into it. Yeah. But that's it. You know, the rest of it goes into the bank for next year. Yeah. And that's, that's what I dealt with, too. People thinking, even... Uh, a band member of mine when I put on the Mayhem and Muncie show, he thought I was making money from it. And I was like, dude, I have 20 fucking bands I'm paying. Yeah. I have to go through the fucking loopholes with the city of Muncie. I had to have three sheriffs out there. Three sheriffs for 10 hours. Mm -hmm. That's $350 per sheriff because they're $35 an hour. You, and got, then, you got him cheap. <laughs> and then building rental was like a grand. Yeah. Some crazy shit like that. And then I had to pay a security deposit and I had to pay for the electricity that night. It's like, bro, I ain't making shit. Yeah. And all they see is the number of people. Yeah. And I had like 400, at the door. Like, like 400 people that first year. And I had, like I said, a bandmate was like, bro, like you had to make money from this. My other three bandmates counted the money with me and helped me divvy it out for the bands. I lost. Oh, yeah, you're going to lose every year. The first year I lost almost $1,500 of money I put in and my mom helped me with. Like, I don't know what people think, man. Like, you're going to lose every year. I mean, even like I was talking about turning the receipts, mm-hmm. you know. But we didn't get reimbursed the gas that it took us to drive to Broad Ripple. So that's that cost you yep. out of your own pocket, you know. And it's just all that stuff. So you're going to lose out. And then if something happens, especially with us, throwing the ones outdoors that we did, because mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, it's Fucking always going to snow. Weather. It's always going to snow for deadly, but it didn't matter because it was indoors. But the outdoors one, oh, it's going to rain. You could have so rain, gotta, snow, we gotta rain, rain, rent a tent. And we gotta, yep. So I mean, it's all that shit. And everybody's just like, oh, man, you guys are banking. Look at all these people. It's like. I'm going home just as broke as I was. Yeah, like, uh, probably worse. I'm going to, you know, put a little bit more in my bank account that I had to take out of it, but yeah. it's not going to be where it was mm-hmm. Tuesday. 
you know, and here we are Saturday. It's like, it's not going to be as much as I had yeah. before this whole thing started. And that's, that's just something that personally I do feel is lost. Because, uh, like, uh, an example tomorrow, me and two of my bandmates are going to a show in Fort Wayne. We're not playing, but we're going to, like you said, rub elbows. Yeah. We're, we're not playing right now, but we want to meet the bands that are playing right now. We want to see what the venue's like, <clears throat> get to know people, have the conversations, get it, like, planted in their head, like, hey, those, like, three dudes, they were cool, and they're in a band. Let me hit them up. I remember them. And, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that I feel... It's a lot of legwork. To... Lo- yeah, it's lost, in a sense, because I don't see, and I'm not trying to, like, down-talk bands and like that i don't and i'm i'm a offender myself when it comes to this i don't go to a lot of shows that i'm not playing we've all been in those shoes yeah but when you've done what we we've done for so long where we've been in the bars for (laughs) playing those gigs and Mm -hmm. this me personally i'm kind of over the bar scene like i don't go to a bar anymore at all just it's like, hey, I'm bored. Let's go down to this bar. I don't do that anymore mm-hmm. just because I'm, I'm kind of over. I'm just as happy chilling on my couch watching my TV as I would be the hours and hours I used to spend on bar stools. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's just really hard to get people to come out anymore because people of our age are kind of over it. Mm-hmm. And the people that are coming up in the ages, there's so much other shit for them, like, mm-hmm. you know. As far as like social media, YouTube, all that, you know, they yeah. can watch a, 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 their favorite band instead of a local band. They could watch one of their shows mm-hmm. on their phone, you know, instead of going down and spending the three dollars to see a, a local band. Yeah. This is what we did. We put our heart and soul into this hour and a half of music. And I've never heard this shit. So when they, you know, they got no interest in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be rough, I think, going into the future. Um, especially post-pandemic, just trying, you struggle getting people out before the coronavirus. I can only imagine what it's going to be like now. Like, I'm wondering myself about that show tomorrow, because I, I I know the guy that put it on. He's a great dude, yeah. and I really want him to have a good turnout. <laughs> but I wonder, I just wonder like, yeah. about, is he going to have a lot of people there? People going to bitch about the fact that they're having to pay this amount. He did. He did a similar thing like we did, and like, um, he had. A, he's doing a two day show, ten bands and ten bands, and you buy one ticket, get a whole week, or you can buy individual, but it's cheaper to buy the one. And you know, I just wonder, like, are people going to bitch the fact that paying twenty dollars for two days? You're literally paying a dollar a fucking band. Yeah. Like, and I just want, I want it to turn out well for him because I don't want him to give up either because he put, he puts on a a lot of good like festivals now and I don't want him to be just like discouraged. Yeah. Because I, I feel discouraged a lot and I don't want that to happen to someone else. It's rough to be a promoter. I mean, it's, it's gotta be, I mean. This day and age, it's got to be rough to be yeah. a promoter anywhere. Like, to do anything trying to count on people coming back out. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and a lot of people do want to get back out that same time is it the number of people you're hoping want to yeah. get back out or there you know people still content and like i'm i'm staying home man. Mm -hmm. you know, I the, the mass ban has been lifted but a lot of places are still drive through only mm -hmm. their restaurants ain't even open you know but people are still requiring you to wear masks mm -hmm. but it's all been so who knows yeah people are going to be scared of that not want to come out and <laughs> it's gonna affect the norm going forward a lot i'm with you dude the future makes me nervous locally for just bands in general yeah not even ma some mainstream bands too like uh i read like Ticketmaster's gonna require like a vaccine card or something no oh, really yeah i don't know if that's gonna be an actual thing you know, you know how fucking social media is. Dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't fact check that statement, but I've heard about it. And I wouldn't be beyond. I hate to be that guy working the front gate at Deer Creek having to check everybody. Yeah, exactly. Let me see you your vaccine card. can make a fake card. ticket. I can make a fake. Uh, <laughs> getting scalpers trying yeah, to give out a fucking <laughs> vaccine ticket. The guy's sitting out there, big billboard, just put your face in it and smile. <laughs> uh, it's like a fake ID. <laughs> your fake vaccinations. But it's 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 gonna be weird. It's gonna be something to interesting to watch. I mean, I'm I'm ready to get back out and go to concerts and whatnot. But it's finding the time and the money for mm. me. I'm not scared of any of the other shit. But finding the time and yeah, DD work weekends. Yeah, and that's the only time they're going on. What time you normally get off? Oh, well, I close so ten, eleven, midnight. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and. You sometimes bands are playing that late, but if you've been there <coughs> eight, ten hours cooking, doing dishes, cleaning, all that shit, last thing you want to do is go sit on a fucking bar stool like you're talking about because maybe. I think one of the last shows I went out to was uh, the Hell Came Home show, like upstairs at Big Shots. Mm -hmm. I was literally just on my way home from work and I was like, oh, this shit's going on. I'm just going to swing in here and be like, hey, it's late. You know, you're going yeah. to charge me full cover. It's. There's only one band left, you know, I'll give you some money, but I don't want to pay I'm the full cover. Fair. A lot of times I wouldn't have to, but, you know, but that was like one of the last, that was literally just because I was driving past yeah. it on my way home, <laughs> like, didn't have to go out of my way, and then uh -huh. that's sad, that's sad for me to say, you know, I should be willing to go out of my way, but, like you said, after a big long shift at work, it's like, the last thing I want to do is... Yeah. Go out in public, still smelling like food, covering <laughs> grease, and like so. It's hard for me to get out to shows, but I'm ready to get back out to shows. I'm ready to. I would love to play again. I mean, I have a few people that keep hitting me up to mm -hmm. want to play, but probably more to just jam in their garage. I don't know if it'd be mm -hmm. see the light of day, but probably just be nice to create again. Yeah, be nice to get loud. <laughs> um, it'd be nice to get one of those drum sets out of my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, fuck, man. The last show we played was in December of 2019. That's the last show I went to because we took a break after that to like try and write and record, like bands do. I mean, yeah. And then, literally, like two months into our break, coronavirus happened, and then my one guy had to quarantine himself because of his landlord. So we didn't from like March to like I think like May or June didn't do anything. And then I 
wasn't going to shows because I work with kids. So I'm I'm staying home, go, you know, work home, work home. I'm not doing shit. I'm a social person when it comes I like I like going to shows. I like playing shows. You know how it is. You're oh, yeah. a musician too. Like I'm yeah. a stage whore. Like yeah. I want to be on that stage. It, exactly. <laughs> and not being not being able to do that and then it just continues. And then not being able to do our like our Toys for Tot show, mm. which that would have been the fourth one we had done. And the, the fire department, the guy we talked to, he's always super cool about it. He's real supportive of us, the fact we're doing it. They always give us, like, a huge shout-out and thank yous. And it's cool, man, giving back to the community. Like, I'm not going to lie, I had the shop with the cop thing when I was a kid. Like, yeah. it's cool. It's cool to give back in that sense. Not as much as you want them to take care of you and I'm not even talking like just the fire department or anything but just like you want people to come out to your shows you know you want to go to theirs yeah. and you want to support this company you know because it's small and local and needs more support than mm-hmm. say this one and that's why you know, I try to go to local restaurants I mean I work in a local restaurant and, yeah um, like some of the smaller stores and mm-hmm. like the Monty Map Company downtown it's like really really pretty awesome play the, great I, t-shirts and i have my base case it's covered right now but there's uh actually a bunch of stickers that i got from there yeah i've got i've got a few of them on my drum case as well yeah there's their shit's always really cool and that's that's the thing too man you're a local musician you want to support locally not just music local shops restaurants vendors and the like bringing up the muncie map that's actually that's a cool place Give them a shout out. You know, people need to check that out. That, and there's the. Uh, They're down on what Charles Street. Yeah. Char- Charles no, it's not Charles. It's um. So I thought it's off Walnut. It's like one of them corners. It's right around the corner from the Harat and yeah. Valhalla and whatnot. <coughs> the main that wouldn't be Main Street. I can't remember. What. It's I'm one. I've lived it's... in this town forty three years. <laughs> I don't know the fucking name of the. <laughs> it's it's one of them. <laughs> yeah. It's off Walnut downtown. Yeah. Like, but that you know. Going even talking about Garot and Valhalla stand. That's a, a local owned business. I mean, he's been here decades, <laughs> and I don't think Stan's going anywhere. Well, and no, and the Harat has been voted what one of the top one hundred dive bars. Yeah, and not calling a not not using the word dive as a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's and then the beer selections. The been, beer selection been is, voted yeah. in like top one hundred or mm-hmm. ten too a lot, and you know people. People don't give things like that a chance, and that's that's one thing the pandemic taught me. Is yeah, the, you got to protect your town. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to protect the people who are trying to make it on their own in this town, yeah. not just work for the big companies or just mm-hmm. go work at a big factory or something. They're trying to do something on their own. And that's that's the thing that concerns me in coming out of this pandemic, man. It's just how many people are gonna come back not just to the local music scene but to going back out back out the bars every all that <laughs> we rely on people to come out yeah bars restaurants all that like what's what's gonna happen next yeah and i mean we could probably go on for yeah, another hour just about what <laughs> it's we think. gonna be a struggle uh for everybody i think but i'm hoping there will be come back i don't think Everybody's asked me that, you know, do you think everything will go back to normal? And I'm like, not the normal that we remember it. Uh-huh. Um, Dude, it's even it's going to be its pandemic, new normal, you yeah. know, like before the pandemic, 
it wasn't like it was just bringing up Deadleaf again. No, everything. I mean, everything I remember, changes. Yeah, and... I remember that first Deadleaf being packed, but that I went to and looking at metal shows now, they're not like that. Mm. And it'll get worse post pandemic. We're gonna have that new normal, like you're talking about, and the new normal is concerning because I still don't know what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to prepare for it when you don't know what it is. Exactly. Uh, fuck. Let me tell how long we've been talking. We're going on two hours. Yeah, I probably should uh, go get cleaned up and changed for work at some point. Yeah. All right, man. I'll start winding down. I'll bring up that, uh, what I was talking to you about in Messenger. Uh, what era music, locally or mainstream, do you feel like was, like, the best? Like, Well, I mean, not to brag, but for locally, I think it was during the Leafs. Mm-hmm. All those, just for... Because it's it's bragging, but it's not bragging. You know, we changed this town mm-hmm. because you know a lot of the Muncie Mayhem didn't happen. The Muncie Music Fest wasn't going on before that. I mean, none yeah. none of the big Muncie Girl wasn't happening before we started doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So we started doing that, and they saw how it grew for us, and now people started mm-hmm. not piggybacking, but being like, "Oh, I could do something oh, like dude, that." I straight and, piggyback, and, I, and I told you that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but and we didn't mind, you know, and that's that's why it's great that it happened, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're honored to be a part of it mm-hmm. and be that catalyst that started yeah. a lot of it. So I think, you know, in Muncie history wise, I think that era was, mm-hmm. and it was also a lot, you know, the camaraderie in bands because yeah, you know, we throw we like we do we we threw a festival for Arf one time, and it was just a bunch of different. Mm-hmm genre bands it wasn't all focused on one and so just to bring all those different bands together and you can meet people that you didn't think you'd ever meet mm-hmm. and i think that period was great just because Muncie music in this in that time was thriving there was a lot of stuff going yeah. on and then it you know just as shit does it kind of dwindles out because mm-hmm. you know Hurdles were put in front of you where they weren't put in front of you before. And so I personally, I think that time was great. Uh, as far as nationally known music, I'm, I don't know. There's always stuff going on. I think it's it's harder now because bands can put an album together in their garage. And, and that's it's like the one hit wonder. It's like, okay, you get you got mm-hmm. that one album and then no one hears from you again. Yeah. Because you didn't put in the time to... Mm-hmm get to where you needed to be you know you just came out of the gates but there's always stuff there's if you want to find it you can find it yeah uh, um it's gonna be harder i think because i'm I, I miss karma and one music mm-hmm. and dan's downtown records and you know that stuff going and searching for your yeah. music and being yeah, like you know fucking, it's literally just a click now yeah and I would fall. I I bought albums before just on the album cover. Mm-hmm. Same. Like, did, and now you, you know, I'm not going to find that album cover. You're mm-hmm. just strolling through music, you know, pages or whatnot. So, I'm I miss that being able to go and look for your music, discover it, and find it. Yeah. And hold it in your hand and unwrapping it and <laughs> putting the CD in for the first time. Mm-hmm. That that to me was the best era. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, now I think it's you know. I don't know if it's going to be too easy, too lazy for people to find what they want, too uh, 
They're not going to want to stretch out and broaden their horizons. Mm-hmm. Not spend a couple hours in a record store looking through, just picking shit. And, you know, picking the brain of the person working. And, you know, that's... Another shout out. That's where I got to meet, you, you know. Have been at VGR? I've been to Village Green, yeah. yeah. Dude, Travis, the, the knowledge that man has. Oh, yeah. He's, I've taken, I've bought multiple vinyl and CDs completely based off just recommendations from him. Oh, yeah. Not even knowing the band itself. This dude tells me it's good. He knows what I like because we've talked about it, and and he suggests something, and now I'm like, cool, and I buy it, and I like it. I've bought over a dozen things just based off of his recommendation, and I've not disliked anything. Yeah. So, and it's stores like that that I that I miss. Mm-hmm. So I think it, that time, that era, late '90s, early 2000s, when you could go interact with the person working at the store and yeah. they know what new albums came out because they're the ones that put them out mm-hmm. like oh you like this band well this band's a lot like them like okay well i trust your word so i'll yeah. pick it up and that's how i met kindred yeah and yeah. uh, through uh once they harmed and hot topic yeah so and that's just another thing picking someone's brain like you were saying just taking suggestions i do it now when i go drink at guardian i did it when he worked at your hot too but oh yeah what beer do i try jason like <laughs> <laughs> and that, that goes back to that whole kind of respect that you mm-hmm. respect their opinions on so much it's yeah like, you know, and it goes back into what you're talking about with camaraderie too and all that and just being able to build a friendship with people you you don't always have to like there doesn't always need to be that benefit no like, sometimes dude it's just knowing that person and getting along with them and everything and i that ties into like what we had talked about too that we feel like missing a little bit now it's like i would go hang out with jason just to hang out with him when he worked at garage and guardian mm-hmm. and of course i would go see the bands play and stuff but i don't feel like a lot of a lot of bands are like that and I, I know some are i mean but I, I don't know how many actually, like, hang out outside of yeah. the show in that sense. I mean, obviously, when big festivals, like we were talking with Wedfest, a lot of the bands, everyone hung out because we were all there for a cause. But how many of you hung out after? Like, are you just social media friends? Yeah. Show swap? I mean, that's how I met my drummer. <coughs> I booked his band, and then I played with his band. We just, you know, we started hanging out outside of shows. I know he's a fucking solid dude. He's my best friend now. He's my neighbor now, too. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That, that respect and all that is just kind of lost. It's, like, it's there, but it's not. Yeah, it's 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 there, but it's not as strong and as big as it was. It was, yeah. Ago. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you said, you'll go hang out at. The Harada of the Guardian, but back in the day, it was like go hang out at Karma mm-hmm. for a few hours, or go hang out at One Music, or you know, like which I don't even. Do, I, you, do you remember One Music? No, I no. don't. It was another record store, a lot like Karma, mm-hmm. over um, like where Chili's is now, somewhere in that. Yeah. Over Silver Palace. Yeah, you know, in yeah, that I, same shop. I know center. Silver Palace. Um, <laughs> I actually some of my first shows as a band were booked from hanging out with people at Silver Palace, so. Always run into people. That's a place too I miss, man. But that's completely. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's completely different, but it's it's not because mm-hmm. you know it's there aren't that many pool halls mm-hmm. now that aren't bars. 
Oh, dude. And one, so, one of my first shows that I played was at Breakers. Mm-hmm. When that was the thing, they had that little room off the pool hall. Yeah. I The front there, yeah. yeah. We One of my first shows was played there, thanks to Jeff, just from showing up at Breakers and playing, like playing pool and hanging out there. He got to know me, got to know my music taste. I had been seeing him because he was in Dying Gear, and then he was like telling him I'm in a band and letting him hear what I'm playing, and he was like, yeah, fucking, I can get you over here. We can get a couple bands together, you know? And little shows like that, get your name out, mm-hmm. and get you, you go up the brinks. Yeah, and... he was super helpful, like obviously helpful, and then like I told you, being able to play Deadly that one year, yeah, we played first, but a lot of fucking people were there at three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon, like, it was cool. Yeah, and a lot of people were there at three in the afternoon. Yep. That, I think Deadly was one of the ones we actually had like kind of a line when the door opened. Like, yeah. A because we actually had a door. The, <laughs> the outdoors ones we didn't really have a door. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it, everything. It's going to be interesting to see and like. I'm glad I'm not mm-hmm. in that genre just coming up now or that age group coming up now because I like the way my my past way more. Yeah. Trying to figure it out now. Well, that ties into the saying, man. The last question I was going to ask you, what advice would you give your fans now? If you want it, you have to work for it. Like, And I'm not just talking like making the music or learning mm. the music, but it goes back to what we were saying. Like, if you want it, you actually have to go out there and make something for yourself to yeah. get it out there. Don't rely you know, on other people. Yeah. You know? You want to have a show at, let's say, Valhalla. Get the bands you want to play with. Get flyers made. Mm-hmm. Get, you know, get your ass out there and post them everywhere you can. Put them in gas stations. You know, don't just think that you. It, it's it's not like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. That <laughs> shit ain't gonna fucking happen. Like, you're gonna have to work for it. So, so good luck <laughs> putting in the work. All right, man. There any last little bit you want to add before we sign off here? Since you got work in about an hour. Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me. It's a really good idea that you what you're doing. I like listening to him, so I wish you all the best. And yeah, I'm. I was nervous about starting it, but I wanted people like you that you know. You said '95. Yeah. Kendrick, he t- I think he told me around '92, and Dave thinks late '80s. Like, yeah. Y'all got stories. Y'all got time. People need to... I, it goes into what you were talking about. It it can be revitalized. Yeah. The scene can be made better. And I that's... Oh, it definitely can. Because like I said, Muncie was like what it is now before we started the Leafs. And yeah. we made a hell of a big, big difference in it. And that's what I'm so, hoping this will help spark something. People being able to hear your advice. People being able to hear what Kendrick had to say and what... Like, I, I'm assuming Dave... The stories this man's gonna be able to tell me, like I, I'm looking forward to that one too. Uh, I'm hoping the gentle giant, Dave yeah. Dalton. I'm hoping people hear the stories from you guys, like the veterans in the scene, and it sparks them. Yeah, because I can only do so much on my own. <coughs> oh yeah, yeah, and, and it's and this is the. I mean, I'm trying. So yeah, you can't succeed if you don't try yeah. I mean, you can't get anywhere if you don't start you can't i don't know ran out of cliche things to say <laughs> but yeah i mean it's i think it's a good thing and I, I hope it something comes out of it mm-hmm. and um 
more people, more bands, more people can make the memories like I have, and yeah. like you have, and you know, the the gigs that you played back in the day. And you know, I remember one gig we damn near closed down the village because we were playing in front of the empty cup, <laughs> and there were so many people. So I mean, it's those memories in my head that I love, mm-hmm. and I I feel bad if no one else can gets the experience, get get stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, have those feelings because it it changes you. Like it's. Music made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I'm same. Like without it, I don't know who the fuck I would have been. Yeah, but I feel that. All right, I guess on that note, we'll go ahead and sign off here so Patty can get to work. Right on. <laughs>